What's going on, guys? Quick announcement for you. I'll be hosting a free web training on February 17th at 4 p.m. Central Time. We're going to be talking about how to really take over this ownership process of your jiu-jitsu, how to determine what you should be training and why that is. This can help advanced students and newer students. Newer students, if this is you, it's going to really help you avoid a lot of common pitfalls that advanced students fall into. If you're an advanced student, it will help you climb out of those pitfalls. It's 100% free. It's going to be about 45 minutes long. I'm going to do a live Q&A after, so make sure you stick around for the whole thing. Um, if you can't attend live, no problem. I will send it to you on replay, and you can submit your questions ahead of time. But if you join me live, we can have a good conversation, and I can really actually help you pinpoint those problems if you have them. So once again, register for that on my website at chasonhill.com. And with that, thank you guys, and we'll get on to the episode. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of this Jiu-Jitsu Secrets Podcast. My name is Jason Hill. In case some of you guys don't know already, hopefully you do by this time if you're turning into this amount of episodes. So I'm super happy to see how this podcast has grown. Um, it's so cool to be able to look back at the numbers. I don't really check them every day. And even on days that I don't release episodes, it seems like certain topics are getting uh, still listened to, which is super cool. It's awesome to see you guys also sending me uh, emails or DMs or however you guys get a hold of me just to let me know that you guys support it. Um, that's super encouraging for me to keep doing it. So if you guys keep <laughs> liking this kind of content and stuff, I would really appreciate those uh, helpful messages and sending me topics, right? I love it when when people can send me topics because a lot of times that gives me an idea about what to talk about, especially from a viewpoint or a perspective from a student that, you know, something I haven't had to deal with in a while, I had to talk with a student. Um, also, if you guys are ever interested in scheduling a time to like chat with me, um, I'm actually one of these guys that will actually get back with you and chat with you. It may not be like in the first 30 seconds or first couple of days because I got other projects, but if you guys are ever open to doing like a Zoom chat or wanting to talk more one-on-one, -on -one, I would love to uh, love to hear from you guys on that. I, I really do enjoy speaking with students because like I said, that's how I make content for this podcast or YouTube video is you got to have a pulse on what the market wants, right? So anyway, into this episode, what I want to talk about is I actually got a Instagram message from um, one of the listeners. His name is Don. So uh, he had sent me a message talking about that he had just got his son into jujitsu who was 11 and he absolutely loves it. And he's a retired police officer and he's thought about training, but he has some bulging disc and he has some lower back issues. And he was trying to see if there's any way that he could get himself involved in jujitsu. Right. So this is on the topic of training jujitsu with injuries. I think I've talked about this in some other episodes, but we can talk about this specific injury or just kind of my general thoughts about training jujitsu with injuries right now. It's a little bit hard for me just to say flat out, um, of course, you can go train jujitsu with these injuries. I think that's very naive of jujitsu instructors to do because for to understand that everyone's body is is different and the severity is different is is very important. So I don't know the severity of your lower back or bulging disc issues. So I would absolutely kind of go get that checked out just first, just to be safe and to understand the severity. But with that, I've actually had students train with both issues and be able to train for, for quite a while. It's just about making sure that you feel comfortable 
doing that, that you've had it checked out, you know the severity, you know the risk, and you understand that. I think a lot of times what happens is that when we have an injury like that, we're looking to avoid any bad news. So we like we don't want to go get it checked out or we don't want to hear someone tell us that we can't do something. So we just avoid it. But if you can get the proper information and then you make that decision, I'm a hundred percent fine with it. You know, it's your body, your life, all that kind of stuff. Right. So, um, then the next part is understanding how to train with this kind of injury. And so when we're training, especially just with disc or back issues, one of the most problematic things is going to be any kind of compression or flexion of the spine. So basically, if you had to think about it, if I had to fold you up, like pull your knees to your chest and really bend you like a taco, that would be the issue that is going to be the problem with the bulging neck. A lot of times also neck grabbing is going to be an issue. So like getting put into guillotines or headlocks and stuff like that's going to piss off the disc. So you just have to be smart about how you train and how you structure your training. So for example, on that, like if I'm training and I'm rolling around and some guy's trying to pass my guard, is it worth me fighting that guard pass in the gym against a buddy of mine just so my ego can handle it? Or is it better that I just let the guard pass happen and try to defend from somewhere else? Right? So these are the questions that students have to answer and have thought about before time. You know, is it worth letting my neck getting wrapped and getting squeezed and cranked on in order just to kind of maybe buy myself a little bit of time to escape that guillotine when I could have just tapped and move on? This is a lot of the times what happens. And this is where you hear jiu-jitsu students that say, like, leave your ego at the door or that kind of thing. Um, I definitely think having some kind of an ego is is good because that's what drives us and motivates us. But the ego should be to get better, not to be naive and not tap, right? If you're in the world championships of like IBJJF or ADCC and everything's on the line and you've worked this hard, I understand not tapping as much at that point. But if you're just in the gym training, there's really no reason to not be tapping. And the other thing that will help if you're thinking about getting into jujitsu with any kind of injuries is understanding at the academy that you train at. Um, you know, there's all kinds of YouTube videos and people who talk about like crazy dangerous academies and stuff. And absolutely there are, but it's all relative to the individual. So if I'm a young athletic, healthy guy that likes to scrap and, you know, likes to really get after it, there's going to be academies that are more structured that way. That is absolutely fine for you. But if you're a guy that doesn't enjoy that or has all of these health and risk and injury issues, then that's probably not going to be the best gym for you. And you have to understand that it's not even necessarily the gym's fault. Like you're wanting the gym to change the way that they structure or do everything for you. That's kind of weird to have that as a mentality. Now, if you're wanting to ask me about business and be like, how should I run my gym for a business profit? Then that's a different story. But you can't like walk into a gym and be like, hey, I'm this guy that's structured and built and has all these injuries and have all these things where you guys modify everything for me, right? That's almost impossible to ask. Um, you have to either learn how to work within those conditions or you have to find a different environment. Those are the only two things that can be done. Like I said, I have my own thoughts and theories about 
jujitsu business and, and how a school should be structured and, and things of that nature, but that's outside the scope of this, this conversation. So absolutely. Um, just going back to the original question that Don had asked, you can 100% train jujitsu with those injuries. As long as you understand the severity of what your current injury is, you take into consideration the potential risk. And once you have done that, then I really recommend you find an academy environment that can kind of help you in that way. Like I said, if you're going to an academy that everything's a grindhouse and that's their style, then try to maybe find a different academy. And then if you can find an academy that will work with you and, you know, is structured that way, making sure that you're not getting too big of an ego or that you understand, you know, how to keep yourself out of danger. And a lot of times, a lot of this is just like communicating with the instructor or communicating with your training partners. Like if you ask them, hey, like I have some uh, lower back and, and disc issues. Is there any like potential positions I should avoid? Usually someone in the gym is going to be able to shine a light on that for you. And this goes for any injuries that you guys might have, whether it's a knee injury or it's a ankle injury or a hip issue or something. If you have these conversations with like your instructor or upper belts that are roaming around in the room, they will be able to kind of tell you what positions to watch out for. Hopefully whenever you're training and sparring and drilling that they're not going to, you know, forget about that and just like continue to crush you. They're going to be trying to be helpful. So I think this is usually the the case at most jiu-jitsu schools are structured like that. I think what gets weird is when we don't communicate to our training partners, we don't communicate all those things because people don't want to seem like they're weak or, you know, that they want people to change the way that they are because then it makes them feel weak. And so, yeah, so you, you can't do that. If you're trying to really get benefit out of jujitsu, you got to be able to communicate. Right. And this goes into any injury. Like, like I said, um, some tips about like, if I'm a uh, upper belt, I guess, and you have an injury. Thank you guys again for supporting the podcast. In case you guys didn't know, I'm really trying to work on growing my social media presence, either on Instagram and on Twitter. So make sure you guys give me a follow over there of at Jason Hill is both handles. It's also in the show description. It's a quick way to link over. This is the best way to also ask me about questions or topics you would like future podcast on. Also, if you haven't already, make sure you check out the YouTube channel. It has a lot of these topics just in video format. It's just another medium for you guys to check it out. And so that is a good way to also get some jujitsu help. Um, I, I look at injuries as being two types of severity. So you either have an injury that it's so devastating that there's no way you can actually train jujitsu. Like you can't, there, there's no way you can move. Like there's no way you could even take someone laying on you or there's no way you can do anything like that. Um, or you have an injury that a specific body part is injured and you can still train. You just have to watch out for it. Right. So let's talk about the first one. This would be something like, man, you have like a broken rib or like you have really shattered something or, you know, you've had some kind of surgery or operation to like literally where you cannot be on the mat training at all. If that's the case, I really recommend that you smell the gym air and that you still go attend the regular classes that you normally would to watch because it's all about routine. And so if you can continue to keep that routine, if you normally go train at like 6.30 p.m. on a Monday night, then you should still go to that 6.30 class unless there's something else that 
is happening. Like maybe you have rehab or you have something else or something that you need to go taken care of, but you need to continue that routine because it gets very easy. If we give ourselves an excuse to step away from the mat, it gets harder to come back to the mat, especially the newer that I am. I see this less of an issue for upper belts. Um, you know, as you get into purple belt and brown belt, that doesn't become as much of an issue, but I still think they, that they should do it too, because you can hundred percent still learn while you're auditing the class and just watching and looking from a different viewpoint and perspective, right? So a hundred percent, you should be doing that if you can. And that's something that is very simple to do that just requires you getting in your car and showing up and doing the regular thing. Right. And you're still going to have that community and that, um, knowledge base. You can also be studying, you know, watching instructionals, YouTube videos, all that good stuff too. Now, if you are, have an injury, like let's say you hurt your shoulder and you could train, but you just don't want your shoulder to get any worse. You really have to think about how can I train and not make my shoulder any worse. One thing that I do when I've hurt my shoulder before and I had to like lay off of it for a while. One thing that I did is when I trained in the gi, I would literally stick my whole arm inside my belt and grab like the tails, the tails of my belt. So that way my shoulder was totally immobilized and I was rolling with one hand and guess what? It sucks. Yeah, it sucks, right? Because whenever you're doing things like that, you're purposely handicapping yourself, but it's to keep yourself safe. And I, I have this, so I, I don't understand people's mindset, even uh, like last night, I'm sorry, I know I'm rambling. I taught a class and we were talking about getting good at escapes or, or being able to escape positions. And I, I don't understand this criticism when students will say, well, I don't want to train in the bottom position in the bottom of site control or in the bottom of the mount because it's not very fun to train and it sucks. And I'm like, yeah, but that's what you have to do. Do you guys realize you signed up for an art that's designed to, you know, make yourself get better at things that you're not good at? And that's going to involve like getting crushed. And like, does, does no one understand that? So like training the suck is super important like that. I, I don't understand why students run away from that so much. It's like they're wanting to just get this instant gratification. They're wanting to buy, like they're wanting to use all these coupon codes on like BJJ fanatics and, and buy like the cheapest instructional and buy like this thing and, and like, you know, whatever. And it's just like the obvious answer staring you right in the face, like get good at the stuff that you're not good at. Like, and that's going to involve you putting in, putting yourself in those positions. Now, is there a rhyme and reason why you maybe choose bottom of mount versus bottom of side control versus getting this and getting that? Absolutely. There's a way to get more in depth in that. But at the end of the day, like if you realize like, oh, I got to be in that and I got to get out, then yeah, you just got to do it. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry to be so blunt with you guys, but you got to train the sock. That's just what it is. Anyway, back to my original point. When you're training uh, with an injury or something, you just have to really be disciplined and not use that injury. So like I said, like if you got to be disciplined, if you're training the bottom of side control, do that. Like you just have to do it. So if my right arm is hurt, I don't use my right arm. That's it. Right. If my left leg is hurt, I don't use my left leg. And that means training in the bottom position and just get really good at not getting tapped, get really good at only defending on one side. Right. You guys can be creative and use ideas about how to train with injuries. I could go through a whole Rolodex of lists. I've, tr I've, I've taught students how to train with knee injuries, back injuries, neck injuries, wrist injuries, um, 
uh, mental injuries. No, I'm just kidding. That That's all of us. We all have mental injuries. But I've learned how to train with all those injuries before. And so maybe that might be a future podcast just dedicated to how to train with knee injuries or how to train with ankle injuries. I don't know. If you guys like that stuff, let me know. I don't know. That to me sounds boring, but maybe to you guys, that'd be great. So let me know if you're interested in that. But specifically with like neck and back injuries, like the uh, like Don, the listener, had recommended, the big things that you're going to have to watch out for is being compressed and flexed and um, getting your neck grabbed and things like that. You're just going to have to be super cautious about anyone touching that. So you're going to have to set up your defenses so people don't grab your neck. You can't tell them, don't grab my neck. You just have to be very smart about when they do. You have to tap and and talk to them and stuff like that, right? Because you can't say, oh, my, oh, my neck's hurt. You know, don't grab that. Or, oh, my arms hurt. Don't grab that. Or, oh, my legs hurt. You know, don't grab that. You know, you can only do that so many times. You know, a master thing is just be like, oh, yeah, every appendage in my body hurts. So just don't submit me. And it's like, well, that's not fun. Right. So you can't change those conditions so much. So that happens, but you can try to work within those boundaries as long as you understand what is going on in your body. Right. So that's my little tangent today about training with injuries. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it and I will uh, see you guys next time. Take it easy. If you guys are really enjoying this podcast, I'd greatly appreciate it. If you left me some reviews, maybe some five stars, whether you're listening to this on Audible, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Make sure you guys leave this five stars, leave some nice words. Also share it with a friend. You know, I don't charge anything for these podcasts and my goal is just to grow it and help the jiu-jitsu community. So thank you guys for supporting and I'll see you guys later. 